Hey, this is Ankit, uh, co-founder and CEO Sheru. Internal combustion engine vehicles are on their way out, and it's only a matter of time before all vehicles on the road are electrified. This brings with it a unique set of allied opportunities. and one such opportunity is the space of energy storage in the commercial ev space battery swapping rather than battery charging makes a lot more sense this is because of the lack of charging infrastructure and the need for zero downtime with commercial vehicles sheru is a disruptive ev startup that operates in the intersection of battery swapping for ev vehicles and energy storage solutions for power producers and distributors Stay tuned as your host Akshay Dutt interviews Ankit Mittal the founder of Sheru about the opportunity in energy storage and Sheru's fascinating journey in this space. So uh, first can you give an elevator pitch of what is Sheru? So at Sheru broadly we are building cloud energy storage so that we can uh, support a green electricity grid. How does cloud energy storage work? When we think about cloud computing or cloud energy storage, what we are saying is, first of all, we are decoupling the infrastructure required to perform computing and energy storage from the user and the business. Also, we are making the entire experience of being availing this service virtual, so that the user has to just simply think about what kind of capacity they require, in what format they want to use the capacity, specify how they want to schedule it. how they want to pay for it all those things right? uh, and even so to say create virtual instances create sandboxes for different applications so in cloud computing also there is infrastructure it's not like that the infrastructure is not there or and it infrastructure can be present in multiple formats it can be present in centralized formats and can be even aggregated through multiple sources what the this, it's the same thing that we are doing in cloud energy storage also today we are focusing on aggregation more because the current requirement of grid is too high we are at a stage where 20 gigawatt hour energy storage is required in india and we have less than 40 megawatt hour built out it's like a 99% under supply so right now the priority is just to get as much capacity as much possible from whichever source network it all together and make it available to the grid so that grid can do on demand energy storage how, how are you finding storage so you're saying that uh, Only only forty megawatt is currently available out of a requirement of twenty gigawatt. Um, so so from where are you finding more ways to store energy? So uh, electrification it's also impacting a lot of other sectors also. For example, mobility is going completely electric. It's like electric mobility is the talk of the town. In electric mobility also, there are certain categories which are growing faster in India. than other categories so we have electric two and three wheelers going much faster than electric cars or electric buses in india for a very simple reason i mean that's two and three wheelers are the uh, majority vehicle population in india they are shifting to electric and in that space also the majority of the adoption today is coming in from the bottom of the pyramid which is involved in any kind of ride hailing or gig economy related work so they are shifting to evs for a 50% cost benefit and they are doing it in a very interesting way they are not 
buying batteries along with the vehicle or even if they are buying it for the first time, they're not buying it for the second time. Uh, and they are more operating on battery subscriptions. And that has created a lot of battery swapping capacity in the market, which is what we are aggregating today. Now, going forward, we see this only compounding. We have around 13 megawatt are aggregated today. We see that in the next 12 to 18 months, we'll have like 100 megawatt hour plus. And that's what the goal is also. Uh, but broadly, this is the first category that we are aggregating. But there are a lot of other categories also. For example, we have some pilots going on with electric bus OEMs also. In India, buses are also public transport. They are also going to grow in a very big way in the next three to four years. So a lot of battery capacity can be borrowed from electric buses as well. Even in electric buses, there are different categories. School buses have different idle time. Intercity buses have different idle time. Intercity buses have different idle time. And as a result, different supply is available. Different kind of supply is available from different categories at different time points. So the, the bus piece here is essentially the bus itself becomes a place where energy is stored. Yes. And the battery swapping uh, providers those battery swapping providers become a source of energy storage because they would have racks with batteries which are getting charged and then put into scooters. So that rack full of batteries can become a smart storage device. Uh, yes. Okay. What is the uh, uh, split the money here? Who pays and who more do you pay? Like between the stakeholders, uh, how is this monetized? So we are getting paid by discoms. We are working BSCS, we are working with TPDDL. We're working with a bunch of more discounts now. So they are pay, they pay us for the energy storage. And then we split the revenue that we achieve from providing this service to discounts uh, between us and the source of the battery. So let's say a dollar was generated from X kilowatt hours of energy storage space that we provided our discount. So that dollar will be split 50-50 between us and the source of that battery capacity. So that is something that we are constantly tracking whose battery capacity are we using for how long and according to that time and according to that participation. So it's very clear that this particular battery capacity participated for how long in generating this dollar. And based on that, we are able to very easily divide the money coming to us with the suppliers as well. The way to monitor some of discount could be two ways, right? You could, for example, buy energy when it's cheap and sell it when it's expensive. Because I believe based on time of day, the pricing, like there's dynamic pricing, right? So so that could be one way. Or you're just providing this as a, like a subscription service. So, or, or like, how, how exactly do you want guys? Uh, in the, somewhere in the middle. So we are not doing energy arbitrage. We're not buying and selling electricity at variable prices. What we are doing is we are saying that we have storage space. You can benefit from energy arbitrage. You benefit from it. We we want you to make money from it. Uh, we just want to enable that. And for that, we are providing the storage space. And you can pay for that storage space on demand. You don't have to take that storage space on a subscription from us. You can completely pay for this on a per electricity unit basis. And you can completely do it on demand. So. It's neither a subscription that we are charging from them. We don't want to do long-term contracts with discounts. It's, I mean, there's no point. 
uh, of doing those. Of course, we are, don't want to get into our energy arbitrage also. Uh, energy arbitrage is something that's one of the applications of energy storage. There are many more applications of energy storage. There's frequency regulation, voltage regulation, flexible ramping, black start operations, spinning reserves, lot of applications, transmission congestion relief. A lot of them are, see, when a discom is operating, there are three functions that they are playing. First function that they are playing is of managing the infrastructure. Second function that they are playing is of a distributor. Third function that they are playing is of a retailer. So they are playing three functions and all those three functions have different requirements of energy storage. And according to the requirement, they use, they warehouse the energy. Whatever time they want to warehouse it, they take it back and perform that function. And, and what we are seeing is that it's not only discoms that are interested in leveraging energy arbitrage opportunities or exploiting those opportunities. They, in the entire energy value chain, power producers, transmission companies, EPC companies, discoms, open access customers, at the end of the day, all of them are consuming electricity. The only value addition that anyone can do in anyone else's life is about availability and price. So, as electricity sector is shifting to more network uh, sector, more tradable electricity, uh, more conducive environment for tradability of electricity, basically, uh, this energy arbitrage opportunity is expected Everyone, all these guys, whether it's a power producer or APC company or a transmission company or a discom or an open access, all of them are gearing up to leverage, exploit this energy arbitrage opportunity. Okay. 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 Why aren't you also exploiting it? Wouldn't your margins be healthier? Or is it that you take on risk? Uh, we take on risk also. We don't have any control on the electricity as an inventory. We have only the control on the storage space as an inventory. So we see that all the people who have control on electricity as inventory, they have a leverage also on it. So for example, discoms have licenses to territorial licenses from government, which insulates them from any kind of uh, complaints against them in case they take an action against someone who has tried to steal electricity on the last pile. So, discoms have that leverage. Discoms can't network. Similarly, every stakeholder in the energy market has some important uh, leverage due to which they are able to control the electricity within their scope. At least whatever is happening to that electricity how is it getting sold? How is it getting generated? How is it getting, how much pilferage is happening? Whatever adjacency they have in terms of that. So for example, it's a power producer, let's say. Now power producer has the control on the origination of electricity. But they can be choosing to do it from centralized plants. They can be choosing to do it from distributed rooftop plants, distributed wind plants, whatever. But they understand which are the areas from where Either electricity could be generated. So they, they are experts of GPS coordinates. They know exactly which coordinate 
has the potential of serving as a good central coal plant or which location has a good potential of serving as a solar plant or a this plant or that then that's what their expertise is so all the people in the energy value chain they have some expertise around energy electricity and uh, due to which they have in you know, being a power trader being energy arbit doing energy arbitrage it's a natural fit for them so to say it also commercially reduces their working capital cycles even the ministry of power earlier used to do only 25 year contracts recently all the long term contracts are being shorted they are being brought down from 25 years to 15 years 15 years is being brought down to 5 years so even there is no need for long term contracts because there is no need going forward there is no need for setting up infrastructure dedicated uh, centralized infrastructure it can be downs can be distributed can be crowd financed right so there are a lot of possibilities in the energy sector going forward interesting what is the uh, unit on which you are charging is it on kilowatt hours that you are storing into number of hours you store it for is that that how it work yes yes so there are three parameters for us one is how much inventory we are storing second how long we are storing it for and third what was the urgency of the customer to store it so if there is any prior intimation that can be made to us by the discom or anyone who wants to store the, the earlier they could tell us the better we can plan so if they are helping us plan then we ensure that we are charging minimum and if just asking for it just a minute before then in that case it, there is a premium it's a classic warehousing model and uh, in warehousing that's what that's what happens i mean at the end of the day the perishable inventory kind of a model basically yeah we are not uh, making money from volatility of the markets right we are we are essentially an infrastructure company which is that an asset light infrastructure company which is possible in today's time i mean in semiconductor conductor it's been happening for ages uh, in semiconductor fabs are separate fabless like nvidias and all are all fabless companies they are not they don't have any dedicated infrastructure but they know exactly what has to be made so in that sense the upside is cap it's not like that i am benefiting from the urgency of the end consumer right end consumer if let's say the end consumer is being too idiosyncratic about their usage of electricity then it's the discom which is benefiting from it so we have to ensure that our inventory at least is monetizing maximum for maximum hours and even for our suppliers right if uh, people are lending us their space then there is some expectation on their end also to make some money out of it and there's some financial outcome for them as well okay so how did you acquire on both sides like how did you acquire uh, the people who are paying you for energy storage and how did you acquire uh, how did you aggregate the storage so discom side it's a manual sales effort we have to go and convince them we have to that's all uh and it's also not a recursive effort it's a slow effort but it is not a recursive effort once we have built a relationship all we have to do is deliver the more we deliver the larger we deliver 
the larger the account gets. I mean, in India, there are only few discoms, there are only very few discoms, and and again, even twenty one fourth of them is private. They're like there, there's only TPDDL, there is BSCS, there is Torrent Power, there is CSC, and then there are some very very small city level or township level discoms. Uh, but largely, these four are the major private discoms. And I can give you a sense of how slow it was. We started doing this in Jan 2022. I mean, we we started working with discoms somewhere in Jan 2022. It took us a quarter to prepare for it before that. And then from Jan 22, we, then it was a slow progression. One by one, one by one. Uh, we covered all the administrative checks first the idea was to be introduced this is the first time they were hearing something like this they definitely liked it because there is no capex involved in from their end but then again there were a lot of apprehensions hardware trials were to be done one by one one by one but none of the steps is like it's not like over and over now uh, in terms of the supply side we are aggregating from battery swapping stations at the moment and our aggregation strategy is we are not tying in with players like battery smarts or sun mobilities or xyz's uh today right i mean what we see is that battery smart sun mobility yolo there are a lot of battery swapping companies some are doing battery swapping as a dedicated business some are doing battery swapping as a peripheral to their oem business our understanding of battery swapping is that it's not, first of all, relevant for personal two-wheelers in India at all. It's only relevant for commercial two-wheelers, three-wheelers. And in three-wheelers also only relevant for the L3 category, 500 kg platform, which is used as an e-rickshaw in ride hailing and also used as an e-loader in middle-mile deliveries. So middle-mile deliveries like wholesaler to retailer, right? those kind of de deliveries. Or uh, So in this use case, there are some 60 million drivers involved today in the market. And all of them are doing unorganized work, gig work. Fundamentally, they're in the offline marketplace. Everyone sees them, calls upon them, uses their services. That's all. It's a hailing in market in India. And even delivery is being done by hailing the driver. Right? You just ask a driver at the nearest crossroad to come in, pick your stuff and the delivery right so it's a very large market that way 60 million around 10 percent of it is already converted to evs around 6 million vehicles are already evs majority of it again e-rickshaws around 5 million e-rickshaws 1 million sort of two wheelers uh, 25 kmph two wheelers or 40 kmph two wheelers but broadly that in this what we saw was that there were there were many different brands there were many different brands of oems uh, there were many different types of vehicles. Almost all of them were rudimentary vehicles. Not too much happening in the vehicle. There's no communication happening between the battery and the... There's no ICO. There's no engine control unit. And at this income segment, nobody really cares about too many features. What they, they're, they're getting into this. They're doing this for a 50% cost benefit. So there are a plethora of brands in this. Like 100 plus OEMs in two-wheeler space. 1,000 plus three-wheeler space. Bunch of OEMs. All of them are bringing in kits from China and Taiwan, putting it together, selling into the market. 
at all so what we and this is something that we have initially we had initially also seen that even in e rickshaws even in e rickshaws when lead acid batteries were popular they were popular today also i mean to a large extent it's still slowly shifting to lithium but even in lead acid drivers used to buy vehicles and take batteries on subscriptions right because in lead acid batteries also there is i mean you must have i'm not sure how much you are aware but lead acid batteries are also recycled but in a very dirty way but they are recycled right it's possible and there are a lot of people that do that uh, i mean scrap dealers they just open the lead acid battery replenish the lead in it and that that's about it they go and they, some of them even do it with their bare hands it's a very dirty work but it's work it was working so we saw was that essentially what was happening was these guys were buying vehicles taking batteries on subscription there was a limited range that they could get out of it they could not charge it fast enough uh, also even if they charge it like so lead acid battery was 12 hours of charging even if they shift to lithium there was a 4 hour charging time and if they charge it fast it's still a 15 minute charging time which there is no curb area there is no curb area for such vehicles in such marketplaces even for 15 minutes i mean in battery swapping they are able to do it do the swap within 2 minutes they can park the vehicle 100 meters away from the shop from which they are going to swap the battery so there was a lot of flexibility that this way of operations was offering to the customers right offering to the drivers so what we did was instead of uh, getting into battery swapping ourselves we started enabling retail stores to be able to sell battery swapping services so we gave a mobile app selvat which is like a point of sale operating system takes care of all the complexity that goes into managing batteries charging batteries managing subscriptions managing a pool of assets some of them in store some of them outside the store drivers are also there they whether the driver paid for it there are a lot of small small things that some are complex some are not complex but there's a lot of clutter that that all got resolved for them it's like a point of sale operating system by that's all well you can run set batteries up subscriptions very easily with that mindset so that allowed retail stores to come into battery swapping in a very big way today we have like 600 stores in our network and uh, none of them come from that background of battery swapping or evs or anything many of them are not even mechanics or dealers many of them are grocery stores so we what, what what we basically understood was there is in india there is a huge market of battery subscription and it is relevant for bottom of the pyramid in urban centers that bottom of the pyramid is only doing running vehicles with such batteries in smaller cities in tier 4 tier 5 cities actually got reached out by one of the self help groups in rajasthan where they have a model similar to amol so they have retail points where all the women they deposit for the produce those points are collection centers also processing centers also retail outlets all right in such areas power cuts are as high as 8 to 10 hours per day so they reached out to us and said that can can you enable our retail points what that will do is we'll be able to get batteries portable batteries and we can use portable batteries for running our homes also and 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 in such areas all they want is that their infotainment should work 
internet connectivity should work their refrigeration should work that's all i'm sure you would have probably started with the idea of uh, let's enable battery swapping and then the positioning of cloud energy storage would have probably happened once you started maybe doing your fundraise and investors might have told you this is a better way to position it as no 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 you'll be surprised that investors in india barely understand climate tech at this point of the sad reality is that climate tech is very grossly misunderstood I yesterday only had a call with uk with a us investor day before i had a call with a uk investor and you'll be surprised to know that for them as well this concept is equally novel if cloud energy storage has happened it has happened in the format of virtual power plants not as cloud energy storage even in the west now coming back to where this is where this happened for us now we started with battery swapping we started with battery swapping and we started with battery swapping with a very simple mindset i was a systems architect by profession so as a systems architect the complete system the life cycle is first thought through and then the system is built out and the first indicator that we went for in the battery swapping market why did we go for it because we saw first of all in 2017 i was interacting with a lot of supply chain majors as a part of grey orange and there i saw that these guys were interested in electrification not not only for their esg mandates they were also interested in it for the cost benefit of it and that is what made them very interesting we saw the same behavior in the bottom of the pyramid in the country for adopting electrification that they are adopting not only because of the green narrative today you might someone might be buying an ether or an ola for the green narrative they might not be buying it for only pure cost benefit they might be buying it for a green narrative but these guys for the bottom of the pyramid they are not buying it for the green narrative they are purely buying it because it is better economical for them straightforward so that was the first reason why we got excited about this that here we have a beach side market in india where electrification is want for the cost benefit of it they have an inefficiency which is battery swap they are and the inefficiency was straightforward that they cannot do fast charging fast charging generates a lot of heat and on slow charge whatever is heat is getting generated fast charging is 250 times heat is generating out of it it makes it highly energy inefficient destroys the entire purpose of greening the grid or electrification of vehicles right second it creates volatility on the grid third it still requires 15 minute charging time still requires curb area right none of these things are available for this low speed l3 l2 category which are in the vast numbers in india so first we saw that there is a requirement of battery swapping out here we started company operated stations we ran two stations we quickly realized it's a sticky product driver wants it but this is not the format we are we should not be the distributors because we have to incur a dedicated manpower cost we have to incur a dedicated real estate cost we should not be doing it also the customer profile is something that we can never manage as a company as a technology company you don't have the dna of managing those kind of customers so we realized very quickly that this is a classic retail model do not have to even acquire the customers go out and urge money to acquire the customers there is already a pull 
the customer is already coming in by themselves the only thing that has to be done is the product placement has to happen at retail scale that's all you have to enable retailers to be able to sell this as an incremental service they have been selling retailers have been in india have been selling incremental services for ages they have been selling mobile recharges they have been selling bus tickets train tickets uh, mobile recharges there are different things that they have been selling so we uh, this is what we saw so we quickly shifted to retail when we shifted to retail we realize there is still a lot of idle time of the batteries and that's when we kept on asking ourselves a question that what are we here for right let's not blow that out of the proportion what are we here for we are in the enablement we are giving them the battery we are giving them the infrastructure they are doing the reselling they are best for reselling not us so if that means we are an energy storage management company very simply put so with that mindset and with that pool aggregated we went to discoms and we asked them there must be a problem of energy storage on your end because you're shifting to solar and wind and we had that much context about solar and wind i mean we have been in the ecosystem for a very long time so we knew that much and there was a very tremendous like overwhelming response from there and that that we need energy storage we need it now we need we need it as much as you can provide and this was back in 2021 back in 2021 somewhere around july august we got clear on this this is a uh, a monstrous problem see india's entire economic growth today is happening because india has developed this conviction in the global uh, discussion forums that we will be able to do economic growth without emissions we have developed this conviction that is why all that infrastructure money is coming in which is going into infrastructure and uh economy is getting pushed the last 10 to 15 years were all about cultivating aspiration in india now that aspiration is there only infrastructure had to come and economic growth is happening without emissions the only way can be done without emissions is by having shifting to renewables and hydro has proven to be unscalable the kind of rehabilitation it has has to be done it's tremendous it's like it's it's, it's really bad टिहरी डैम का रिहेबिलिटेशन आज तक फिनिश नहीं हुआ है सोलर एनवेंट है डाउन स्केल स्मॉलर द यूनिट कैन बी द मोर फ्यूज इट कैन बी विदर्बन स्पेसिस क्राउड सोर्सिंग हो जाता है कैपिटल का क्राउड सोर्सिंग हो जाता है रियल एस्टेट सो मेनी थिंग्स सो ब्रॉडली इंडिया टुक द टारगेट ऑफ टूडे वी हैव ट्वेंटी परसेंट पावर कमिंग इन फ्रॉम सोलर एंड विंड ट्वेंटी थर्टी द आइडिया इज टू हैव फिफ्टी फाइव परसेंट पावर कमिंग इन फ्रॉम सोलर एंड विंड टूडे आउट ऑफ दैट ट्वेंटी परसेंट एटीन परसेंट इज सोलर नाइन टू परसेंट इज एंड अगेन द आइडिया इन दैट फिफ्टी फाइव इज फिफ्टी परसेंट सोलर फाइव परसेंट विंड विच विल कंटिन्यू सो सोलर विल डोमिनेट विंड for just simply it's i mean it's more scalable now while this is happening economic growth is happening in the country our energy consumption is increasing 10% year on year and mind you today 50% of the emissions come from energy sector 10% of the emissions come from transportation our energy sector is going 
double in its size. Even if we electrify 50% of the vehicle on road, electricity demand is going to be added only by 10 to 15% in the next 7 years. Just by economic growth, energy demand from consumption increase is adding 70% more demand. And all of it has to be green. Majority of it has to be green. So the problem is energy storage. That is why today India needs 20 gigawatt hour of energy storage. By 2030, we need 260 gigawatt hour of energy. So it's compounded. Because of emissions also, ratio increasing, we want to do it without emissions as a higher rate. And also we don't, we want to grow. So it's a hair on fire problem for the entire country, not only India, for every developing nation. Okay. Um, do you have uh, operators in the space? Like, I mean, for example, charge up is one, but they are pure battery swapping than third storage, right? Not really. So companies like Charger, Battery Smarts and Mobility, they are competing with retail. They are B2C companies. If tomorrow the economic landscape of India becomes more organized, today we know that out of the commerce, that whatever commerce happens, barely 10-15% has organized so far. 85% is still unorganized, 85-90% is still unorganized and it will continue to remain that way simply because we have a huge bottom of the pyramid, 77% of families are at the bottom of the pyramid. So, whether in the long run it would end battery swapping retail outlets or it would be unbranded battery swapping retail outlets, something that we all will see. But in Sheru's context, there is no competitor in India. At the moment, if I have to really, really dig deep to find a competition, I would call Reliance as a competition. So Reliance is transforming their entire business into three verticals. They have transformed their business into geo, IT. They have very, they are knee deep in energy also, right? And they have Reliance Retail. Right? And, and, and that's the case for almost every, I would say, Every conglomerate going forward, Amazon wants to be in all three of these. Uh, every conglomerate wants to be in all three of these, energy, telecom and retail, the combination of these three. And Reliance understands very well that going all three of them are businesses of data, all three of them. Retail is a business of data. Uh, all three of them are businesses of data. Got it, got it. Okay, okay. Um, what kind of, uh, like, what's the traction you have seen so far? Uh, what, can you share some numbers? So, uh, we have 13 megawatt hour of energy storage space aggregated uh, on the platform for around, from around 14,000 batteries uh, across 600 stores uh, in Delhi NCR. In so, that, so, essentially, there are 600 people who have uh, opened up battery swapping using your technology like like these could be like say in a way yeah, yeah. And, and this is not monetized right this uh, what you provide to the uh, retail uh, retailers who are opening up battery swapping you don't charge them for providing them the software no so we don't pro charge them for providing them the software exclusively at the moment we what we do is we provide them batteries as well as software to do this 
and the batteries are leased out by us. So we don't buy batteries, we lease out the batteries and we give it to them on a 50-50 revenue share. And this is something that we just started to do so that we could penetrate the easiest retail retailer profile. Someone who doesn't have a capex capability, someone who doesn't have a, a credit score went for the for those guys who wanted to desperately increase their income. They did not have capex capability, they did not have credit score. So they could not buy batteries or could not get them financed by themselves. But in the long run, today we are working on making the app more digital. Right? So we are doing a marketplace integration in it. We are doing embedded finance integration into it. And all of this will release this, this month, August. What that will allow is that anyone pan India could download an app and get all the hardware from the app itself in whatever mode of like whatever financial structure they want to follow. They have a lot of lot of money. They want to do the capex. They want to save the tax structure. Because when you do the capex you're able to book depreciation also. There are a lot of things that, that can so uh if some some retailer has that kind of capability, they want to do that. And there are many. India underestimating the retailers would be a grossly stupid thing to do. Uh they make the 50% margin at the end of the day on all the goods on the last mile. And they have been doing it as a family business for ages. They have bought real estate with it, which is also compounding. So they have they have a good amount of money. All that is needed is we should be able to win their conviction. So we have that uh, in our roadmap. That we are digitizing the entire experience of getting into this business. Going forward, you will see us selling only software, charging for only software, and whatever mode of operations, whether the drive, whether the retailer wants to take revenue share, all the options will stay open for them. So that even if there is a retailer who doesn't have a credit score, they are also able to get into the business. But this is how we do it. So. Uh, a retailer charges around 200 rupees per day as a battery sub, uh, subscription for a driver. Uh, typically, a store is of a 20 driver configuration. So, typically, a store makes around 1 lakh rupee extra in gross sales from the uh, from this service. 50% they keep, 50% they pass on to us. And because uh, there is no incremental cost they already have a real estate. They already have a manpower. The only incremental cost is electricity. Which is also getting incurred when they have a driver. Driver nahi to electricity ka bill bhi nahi padega na. So that's why they're like ki bhai operational break even to day one se hai. Abhi payback ka hi ladai hai sirf. Got it, got it. So currently you must have got a feed on street team which goes out and does the sign up of these like Sir, pehle to hoti thi, kafi badi. We used to have four, we have used to have some seven, eight people. It has shrunk to two people now. Tailors themselves have understood one thing, ki there is no conflict of interest between them, themselves. Either main kar rao, either baju mein mere baju wala bhi kar rao hai. To, sabko ye samand mein aagaya ki there are more vehicles, there are less stores. Infra limited hai, Demand to what? So, tailors are bringing in their own friends into this. They are bringing their 
people around them into this there's a very strong referral effect working in this for them so retailers are bringing in that uh, the other retailers and now as our digitization is happening more and more on the app side we are also tying in with a lot of merchant onboarding companies a lot of a merchant onboarding companies that they merchant onboarding for geomart for phone pay swiggy zomato sabke liye kiya but i mean it's been two decades of merchant onboarding in india so there are a lot of companies that do offline sales uh, and do merchant onboarding so we are tying in with them also channel doing channel partnerships with them and we are telling them just just enable everyone i mean there are 6 crore retailers in india why not relabel, enable everyone right with this cap suddenly we will have the we'll have the infrastructure i mean why go and set up dedicated set state setups everywhere anyways in india we need a guard security guard for an atm also why who are we fooling we we should not be fooling ourselves that we can set up public locations and it will be safely done there has to be a uh, gatekeeper and uh, retailer is perfect for it okay got it got it okay and uh So, do you share what you earn for cloud storage with the retailers? Is that like an additional source of revenue? No, no. उनके साथ नहीं करते हैं, because batteries are not theirs. But we are leasing out the batteries. Going forward, you you don't want to lease out the battery also, right? That's what you were saying. Right? Yeah. So then we will. Then we will. Okay. Then you will. Okay. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, how have you funded the business so far? We are VC funded. We have a bunch of early stage investors working with us we have vcs we have cvcs we have family offices angels syndicates uh from india from us so but all early stage vcs with financial interest since we are a asset light company first of all we don't have to we have been able to fulfill the capital requirements of batteries and working infrastructure by dividing it into a business model is making a portion of investment then someone else is making a portion of investment so for us since we are not subsidizing anyone we are not discounting any service like we are not we are not a to see company so we don't believe in discounting and incentives and subsidies all those things uh our primary cost is the organizational cost only we are a lean team small team to 45 to 50 people uh and the per head salary is also not too much we are in the five in the business for our, it's our fifth year in the business so our our primary expenses on r&d uh, certifications pilots team uh bump bit little bit marketing not too much i mean majorly whatever we build we just put it out there and that in itself pulls in a lot of uh traction for us So yeah, I mean, we have been funding it using financial investors so far. We hope we could have used grants more, but India doesn't have too many grants available. So, how did you raise from such a large pool of investors? Was it like a full-time job for one of the founders, like doing the outreach and pitching and all that? We are big-time nerds, Akshay. all three of us right we don't have anything else in our life going on to be very very honest uh we don't go out anywhere we don't do anything else we just like to working on what we are working on and we are working on with full conviction we don't come from the startup culture and <laughs> we never attended many conferences a lot of people in the ecosystem don't even know about us 
that we exist. So we have been working around the clock for sure for the last five years. To a certain extent, our building out the company through cash conservation mode itself. I mean, from day one, we have been in cash conservation mode. 2019 is when we started. 2020, COVID happened. Then COVID after effects continued till 2022. In 2022, market crashed. And those after effects are continuing till today. So it's our fifth year in the business, fourth year in the crisis. So uh, that has become a new normal for us also. So to a certain extent, it was a lot of outreach. It is a lot of outreach. Today also, it's a lot of outreach, lot of educating the investor. Also, financial investors themselves are going through a existential crisis in the last three, four years. So they're also trying to wrap their head around what exactly, how exactly, what kind of companies they want to invest in. They want to invest in high growth, but at the end of the day, the, the company has to become sustainable. And there must be something terribly wrong going on between founders and investors. Between that relationship due to which founders don't feel that investors have their back and they're going to eventually the company is being sold and no one is going to get a good exit out of it. Maybe the founders are also feeling that way. But we ensured one thing, fundraise effort, whatever we have done, that we were very transparent about our intent. We said that we know this is a long-term effort. We are in it because we see a lot of value yet to be unlocked in energy sector. It is a very massive transformation we are going through. So if you want to understand us in five minutes, don't invest. If you want to understand it, you want to have some time for it. You understand that we all have to become sustainable, appreciate, then we can raise the money. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.